0: y'all hey. hey welcome to the real raw real, real we are back with another episode and another awesome guest now this guest you may be super familiar with If you've been in the podcasting and bodybuilding world any length of time, um, she is renowned in getting the confessions of a bikini pro out to all of our industry and those of us who listen. So today we would love to welcome Miss Celeste Rains Turk to our podcast. How are you doing, girlfriend?
1: i'm awesome i'm so happy to be doing this with you guys of course your episode just came out on the podcast last friday so it's awesome to now be connecting with all of you especially after some of the times we've already shared in person it's gonna be cool to connect in this way as well
0: indeed
1: so we are happy to have you
0: and um i didn't even introduce us so
2: I'm, I'm like, ready.
0: y'all oh, should be always but yeah, yeah. you know who we are, but no, I'm I'm one of the hosts, Brandy or B. Shane, who however you know know me as, um, along with Yolanda and Steph. So we are gonna dive right on in and just get to know a little bit about Celeste. So we know you just got back from a trip, yeah. Yes. Hi
1: so good it was amazing so I went to Oklahoma to meet my boyfriend's family which is cool big <laughs> but it was awesome and I just loved every moment it was so much fun so you know you come back from a trip like that and you're alone so you miss having people around but also like I felt really refreshed and fulfilled because I was in so much of a love bubble
0: yeah <laughs>
3: that how, how did you feel going into the trip? you know i'm I'm thinking like we're all so much older and different now, thinking about you know back in the day when you know we had to meet someone's parents, but now you know at your age now and the growth and everything, how did you feel going in? Were you still nervous? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah I was so nervous oh my gosh like I've I've exchanged messages with his mom online and everything but we hadn't ever met and so I was nervous and then I got there and it was like meeting the whole family so it was it was really cool though I felt like I just fit right in like it was a perfect family match and dynamic as well so that was really nice they were super chill I connected with all of them we laughed a ton like it was just Cool. So all my nerves went away by the time I got there. But I swear, for like a month, I was like, "What if this?" and "What about that?" And then I told my friend, I'm "Like, I'm just gonna wear turtlenecks the whole time because, <laughs> like, what?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I love a turtleneck to be honest. But I was also like, you know, how do I present that? Who am I anymore? Like, what do I do? But he was like, "Just be yourself. They're gonna see you for how I see you." And he was he was right. It was really awesome. Yeah,
0: I and love just, that. So. <laughs> you know, and it's funny too, because I mean, we know a little bit about your background in terms of like what your career is and things like that. So, just to know, I guess, diving right on into the real and raw, you know. Even with all of the knowledge you have in terms of psychology and stuff like that, like you still experience those, like, what do I do? What do I wear? How do I behave kind of thing? So that's, that's, yes. that's interesting. But I'm glad you had a good time. And I feel like the tables have kind of turned because when you and I did your podcast, I had literally just got back from a trip. So now here we are. You just got back from a trip and I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad you, you have enough energy for us. So absolutely. Yeah, we'd love to get to know you. So, who is Celeste? Start letting us know who you are and how you got from how Celeste started into bodybuilding and to building more than just a body.
1: Sure. I will keep this short and sweet or do my best to. Um if I start blabbing, just give me a signal. Um but essentially, I got into fitness because I was playing volleyball and I wanted to see, you know, if I if I doing so well as a volleyball player without my nutrition and training outside of the sport. I wonder what I could be if I did do that more, if I did prioritize that more. And um, I also had gone through a breakup and I, it was a high school thing. So whatever. Um, but, you know, with the high school time, it like means everything. So I went through a breakup and I was like, oh, you know, I need to be able to show up for myself if I'm going to expect anybody to show up for me. I have to respect myself. I have to be true to myself. So found fitness. Um, And I started with Pinterest workouts at home. And um, I ended up working as a volleyball coach to be able to afford a gym membership. And in order to um, get trained, I would ask for that as a gift for my birthday. Actually, I asked to hire my first online coach as a birthday gift, which was great. Then I had motivation to get the gym membership, got the gym membership. And I thought, you know, what could I do? Like, how far can I take this? I really fell in love with fitness and um, interestingly enough, even though I was working really hard to go and play college volleyball, it was my junior year and I got my ribs broken in jujitsu. I was actually doing jujitsu as well. And I had earned my blue belt. I was I literally did that in conjunction, and it was my junior year. So that's when you're really being recruited. I got knocked out for a decent amount of weeks, amount of time to not play, not practice, not be seen. But I think it was for a good reason because by the end of my senior year, I had actually burned out of volleyball. And despite actually getting a a sign on with the team in Wisconsin, I decided to pull back my commitment and I said, I don't want to play anymore. I want to focus on fitness. So that's exactly what I did. I had actually started selling training programs and um, whatnot in high school for like 50 bucks. I was like, I just want to try it, see what I can do graduated high school early, got certified as a personal trainer, worked multiple jobs just to be able to start and run an online business. Um, Launched my online business in 2015, same year. Um, Then I thought, well, what else could I do? That's when I found competing. And then November 2015, did my first show, blamed competing for everything, became that jaded competitor. Then I realized I had to take responsibility for myself and my actions and Competing was like my crutch to say, this is why I have disordered eating. This is why I don't like myself when really all those behaviors started when I was on Pinterest doing home workouts and making myself work out after everything that I ate and forcing myself to get smaller and smaller, trying to figure out like, how do I look like this? And then I binge every weekend and cheat meals, cheat days were like all the thing, like you just let's clean eat. And then you go hard on your cheat day. And it turned into binge eating and hating my body and a lot of restricting and negative behaviors like that. And then and, um, I had been working with a mentor, speaking at different events at the time, actually. And um, this one person I saw speaking at an event with me, she shared a message I really liked, hired her as a mentor as well. Got really immersed in personal development, switched my degree from dietetics and clinical nutrition and dietetics, which is what I had really emphasized in my associates, started studying for a bachelor's program, realized I wasn't passionate about that. I wanted to know why people did what they did and behaved how they behaved. Didn't really feel that love and zest for personal training. Like I thought I would. So I ended up uh, letting all of that go, switching to psychology, falling absolutely in love with it. After telling my parents, I don't want to go to college. I don't want to do this. This is dumb. I was like, I can't get enough. Then I went on to get my clinical mental health counseling degree my master's degree, actually, because when I launched the podcast in 2018, I was like, oh my gosh, competitors struggle with building more than just a body. Who would have thought like bodybuilders needed that? And so that's kind of where the mission evolved and what I do evolved. And um, I would say that's like the synopsis, but hopefully that kind of pulls it together and shows you guys how I ended up refalling back in love with competing and, and doing what I do.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's, wow. So one, wow.
1: Do you even still do that? I miss it, but no, I gave it up because it was so hard on my body to do that and bodybuilding. It was, it was really hard. So no, I, I don't, I do miss it though. Okay. But may I say that
3: we we practically got half of a volleyball team right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the three of us definitely. Did you play too much volleyball? No, but we're about
0: to teach her real quick, so it's gonna be yes. cool. <laughs> yes,
1: that's awesome. <laughs> what was your position in volleyball? Um, I was primarily a setter and libero. Okay. Mm, tough spots. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm a shorty though, so. It makes sense. I guessed it, but I was waiting to see if I was right. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I have
0: a couple of questions that I want to ask, but before I dive into like the competitor piece, because I have a really interesting question that Yolanda, Yolanda and I even talked about, but before we get there, you said you started on Pinterest and you feel like, so you've experienced having an eating disorder and things of that nature. And that started back when you found your workouts on Pinterest. Were you seeing messages then that were saying eat this sort of way? Or how did you how do you feel like you got from starting getting into fitness to going into binge eating and stuff like that?
1: Oh, that's such a great question. Um, definitely, I would say online, you're being given these messages of like, you should only eat this way. You need to train this way. You gotta burn more calories than you consume. So when you don't actually know what that means, what you hear is every time you eat, at least for me, this is what I heard. Every time you eat, you got to burn more of that food. Otherwise you're not going to see results. So I would say a lot of it was messaging. Yeah. And not a lot of education. I mean, Instagram wasn't what it is now. This was back in 2012, 2013. Like it was not, we don't know what we know now. And then I had hired that first fitness coach and the meal plan literally was like, super, super strict. These are your do not eat list and do eat list. And I take everything very literally. So I was like, I'm only eating this for the rest of my life. That's it. And then cheat day was like, I would 12 AM I'd be up 12 AM I'd be done. And I would eat myself so sick, but it was like, this is my one day of the week. That's how the binging began. And then after my first show, it was like up and down appetites, wanting to eat everything I could because I didn't have it for so long my body gaining weight, changing a lot. So it just kind of started spiraling from there. But that's, yeah, that's essentially how it occurred. I mean, I, I had body image issues from a young age anyways, like I could, as early as nine, which is really sad to be on the planet for nine years and already judging yourself that way. It's very sad, but a lot of us experienced that. But yeah, I was nine and that was when I first had negative thoughts about my body. And then I think it just progressed as I got older and realized I could actually control that.
0: Nice. And was that nine-year-old Celeste, was that messaging also?
1: Yeah, I was watching Full House and Aunt (laughs) Becky goes, you know, you're pregnant when you look down and can't see your toes anymore. And so in the shower, I looked down, I was like, I don't I'm not pregnant and I can't see my toes. So I must be really big. And so I just, and then I was called names and stuff in school. And I was the bigger girl. I developed faster than my peers in all honesty. That's really what it was. But I was like the bigger girl and made fun of sometimes for that and had little things. I never fit in the clothes all the other girls fit into. They were shopping at limited too. I was wearing my BK sports shorts and a t-shirt, like whatever. I I was more of a tomboy. And I thought if I can't look like them, I'm going to be the best student I can be. I'm going to try to be the funny one. I'm going to try to be as athletic as possible. I think it paid off for me because when you get older, you develop more as a person in general. But yeah, at the time, that's kind of where it it started. Wow, that's interesting. Um, that
0: makes me think of, you know, they talk about women and dieting and how women start dieting as young as 14 or younger. So yeah, for you to have those body image issues, just based off of a different message on TV, like that's, that's insane. But I can now see how, how that starts. Right. That grasped
3: me. I'm like, hold up. I was sitting there watching Full House, but the interpretations come from so many different ways. And I'm like, wow, I, I can't believe that, you know, really happened to you in that manner. And it's like, at the same time, I'm like, oh man, no way. But wow I, I can't imagine how many people may have had similar you know experiences from shows like that
1: right. and I think my mind was attuned to that already because it was like a conversation in the house like if it's white don't bite and you end up you're gonna end up on the biggest loser And I mean my parents were amazing and loving don't get me wrong but certain things like that um, that were mentioned or seeing my mom diet a lot and, and that kind of stuff I think affects you as well and makes you more like And you're already being bullied so then you hear that and you're like ah that must be me
0: so that association piece Mm -hmm. yeah okay um y'all have anything before i ask my other question well i'm trying to go with the flow because i was gonna dial back
3: (laughs) you know into into younger stuff but we kind of touched on it you know a little bit with this and my heart is already like oh man (laughs) you know so i'm I'm good we could keep flowing okay Yeah.
0: So you will jump from nine year old Celeste to bodybuilding Celeste, right? And you mentioned once you got into it, you blamed everything on bodybuilding, right? And Yolanda and I had a conversation a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago now, where I was stating that I feel like you can get into bodybuilding for the wrong reasons. And she mentioned like, well, even the wrong reasons can be the right reasons, which is great perspective that I didn't even think about. So when you talked about blaming on bodybuilding and things of that nature, what is your take on getting into bodybuilding for the wrong reasons? Is that a thing or have you seen that with some of the people that you work with or or do you agree with Yolanda, which is perfectly fine too? Like, do you feel like even the wrong reasons can become the right reasons?
1: I love that perspective. I, I would stand behind that as well. I think it it evolves with us. And I, if I could discourage someone from getting into it for the wrong reasons, I would. Um, depends how you define wrong. But I think there's certain things that we can identify as red flags. And that sometimes does come up in the work I do. Like it would be a red flag if you're only bodybuilding to change your body to be accepted in a particular way, or you're only doing it for fame or clout we all know we we do this. we're not famous or good I mean okay no like there's no more Flex magazine going out you know what I'm saying it's not the same as it was but um there's certain things I would say are red flags or I'm doing this to stop my binging um I'm doing this to heal from a breakup and become revenge like uh I think some of that's red flags doesn't mean it's wrong because it can actually, as soon as they vocalize that it can lead to the healing, like, oh, well, while you're pursuing that, let's focus on these things. So I, I don't know, because bodybuilding, I see, I think so highly of it now compared to where I was that I think, like Yolanda said, it's, you can find the good in it.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like the way you mentioned like there's red flags. It's not necessarily wrong. So just things messaging to pay attention to in that front, too. So that's
2: I like that.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. I love the healing aspect of it, too, because I, I can be honest. I've ran into a few people, you know, just that shows where I I just like to talk to people, obviously. And um, some of the, them, the reasons you mentioned, they do have that exact reason. And, you know it may just start that way, but as soon as they keep having an experience and moving forward with it, it translates into something even better, you know. Yes, I got into it because we had this bad breakup, you know, or I'm I'm really angry and he said I couldn't do it, but I'm going to show him. But at the end of the day, you just, you sometimes just transform or blossom into this even better flower. So, I do love that so much, (laughs) you know, I'm like, you know, go for it, you know, as long as you can recognize those, those red flags at some
2: point.
1: And I mentioned at the podcast party, if you guys remember how like your, your goal or your like focus can have a why and yes, focus on your why. Sure. But that generally changes. If I ask people how often their why has changed, it's pretty consistent. Why do you do this? Three months later, it's a different reason, different reason. But what doesn't often change are people's values. So when I consider, I'm talking to someone who's thinking about competing or has been competing, they're not sure if they're gonna continue or they just are struggling with certain goals and objectives, I always encourage you to connect it to your core values. So find out what your core values are, make that your driving force. Identify how competing aligns with those core values and the objectives to do your best in competing aligns with them, rather than focusing on your why, to get revenge or look a certain way. Really connecting it to your core values makes those commitments feel like a non-negotiable and it gives you more purpose that goes beyond surface level. I love that. <laughs> Jeez,
0: I love that. Okay. Well, um, because I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be I'm gonna start bouncing back. <laughs>
3: I'm not gonna lie, Celeste. It's a little like I'm I'm gonna speak for myself. It's a little intimidating talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, hold That's up. Good. We got Celeste, right? <laughs> 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 you know, you talk to so many people like constantly, and even just the fact when you just mentioned your core values, I'm like, yes, I was just sitting there, you know, and I heard you say all of this, and I remember being so emotional <laughs> oh, know, I love about that. it and all that you're speaking. So, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna be honest with myself and tell you. <laughs> oh, I love the transparency. That's great <laughs> oh, disclosure. Thank, thank you for
0: that's that. Right in front of
3: us. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to rein in my nerding my nerding out, right? <laughs> and I love think it. From a psychology perspective, but also keeping it the real, raw, real, real as we designed it to be. So yes. definitely want to dive into the psychology piece, but we also want to know a little bit more just about your, your competing history. Since we're here and you mentioned the core values and things of that nature, if somebody doesn't or never even really thought about their core values because you know we hear core values or mission statements and all that with businesses and we don't often realize that we either have them or need them for ourselves as individuals how would you suggest or recommend somebody start you know developing their own core values so that they can be in alignment with whatever they're going after even if it's not bodybuilding
1: that's a great question so set aside all your goals and objectives. Don't even bring it into this conversation yet. So when you're having this conversation with yourself, set those things aside because you might become biased. It's a little hard, but you might. So first and foremost, set that aside. Second of all, if you need to help, Google a list of core values. Honestly, just straight up, you can do that. Google core values or Google values or things of that nature. How I started personally with myself is I really considered what matters to me. The question I ask every client is if we were to just peel all the layers back and get to the soul, right? Your absolute soul. So these are really your core soul codes. I refer to them as values because that's not normal. What I'm saying is not normal, but like your soul codes, like the code of your soul, like what's really driving you every single day when you wake up, if everything was stripped away, what would you hope would still be there? And this is not necessarily tangible. I mean, you can say family is tangible, right? How I did it was I ended up starting with like 10 different things. And I'm like, okay, this is getting a little out of hand. And then I was like, what if these things actually connect? So I found it wasn't just that I valued family and health and community. It was like, I value impact. I value freedom. I value love. Because I could find these things that mattered, but I was like at the core, keep going, keep going. Because a lot of this comes as a result of something else. So when you're considering your core values, do a brain dump and then step back and go, now which of these connect and what's an overarching theme? Find the themes of your life. Look at what really matters to you right now. Like, what are you spending the most time on? If you're stuck, what are you spending the most time on? What are you excited about most? What's driving you? What's What are you passionate about? That can be a good... Insight into what you value. Um, so for me, I try to reevaluate every six to 12 months. I'm telling you, mine have not changed in probably since 2019, honestly. Um, yeah. So I actually, no, I'm sorry, like seven years ago, whenever that was, um, probably since seven years. So I would say, you know, really get comfortable with the the consideration that these things might not change, but they're also not set in stone because your life will continue to evolve and other things will be revealed to you. That's how I would start.
0: Okay, that's
1: good. So just
0: continuing to peel those layers back. And I think I I arrive at that in a similar way, just like the whys, the five whys are, I used to be in change management in a former job, but um, five whys just continuing, okay, here's my base answer. Okay, well, why? And then continuing to answer that question until you literally get to the root. So that's what it sounds like you're saying. Yes. Well. So what are my core values? Well, family, money, school, education, whatever. OK, what about that is important is what I'm hearing you saying. Is that correct?
1: Exactly. You might want fi- finances to be in order. That's important to you. But why? Because it gives you freedom or maybe, oh, because it lets me travel. But well, why does that matter? Because travel allows me to experience the feeling of freedom. That's the core value, because then you'll find that in probably a lot of other things. Health. I, I compete and that's prioritized in my health in many ways, but it actually gives me freedom, freedom to see my body in a particular way, freedom to accept that life is ever evolving, freedom to pursue things and feel that joy in the pursuit. So there's a lot of uh avenues one word can take you down very true
0: completely agree that's
1: awesome
2: <laughs> okay y'all good so did something in particular occur with you for when you had that transition from your original core values to the one that you had about seven years ago does something like trigger
1: it That's a great question. I think it was just seven years ago I didn't really know what I valued or cared about other than that I was striving to achieve certain things without understanding why am I going for all of these things. Um, I think it was working with mentors and serving other people, beginning to run service-based business and understanding that there's a lot more to doing this than money and accomplishments because the money wasn't there. (laughs) When I started, it was only going out and the accomplishments were great. But what happens is they're fleeting. You feel it in the moment. So I think it was just realizing there's more to why I'm showing up doing this. Why would I work three jobs just to run a business that's not even profiting yet? Like, this is crazy. So there, there were, I knew there was something deeper, but I think working with mentors really helped to reveal that there's other reasons to be doing these things for me so i don't know that anything in particular happened other than kind of coming to that i'm doing a lot for little uh tangible return but there's it's something's driving me to do it anyway
3: mm-hmm. nice that's where i am i'm still captivated by young celeste a little <laughs> bit and i don't want to take it too far off but it's just where you were in terms of um your nine-year-old self and your high school self and how like you literally kind of just started a business based on what you wanted. You said you kind of jumped in, you started training, then you started making programs. And I'm like, well, wow, like what in your mind set off that got you going that made you decide to do all of this? And then not just that, most of us, I'm sitting here thinking like most of us don't even think like, you know what, I want to go get A mentor for this or that. Something drove you to apply these things. I don't know if someone said something to you or what happened with young Celeste that she was so motivated and driven to do these things or start these things, I should say. Which is amazing. Thank
1: you. i
2: <laughs> have been on really? for all your
1: life. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. The little Celeste and me is like, hi, appreciate you. Listen,
3: congratulations to little Celeste for starting early because I'm looking back at little Yolanda like, what were you doing? Right. <laughs> what right. Are you doing? Honestly, Why didn't start your business yet. <laughs>
1: Go mow some grass. <laughs> oh, you're so silly. I don't know. I, I mean I do know. Okay. So like I, I think about this often there's like I think every beneficial side of us has a little dark side too like the dark side of starting so young is all I've known is work for my whole life all I've known is pressure to succeed and do well and be better and serve in a certain way um my parents were so awesome when you said what did someone say something it's my parents my parents are amazing um, my mom's passed away but um she's included when I say my parents so I'm talking about but They were both entrepreneurs. My mom was actually, she climbed the corporate ladder, um, worked, I mean, to put it in perspective, she worked for herself as a business consultant for many, many years and re-entered the job market and became CEO of Girl Scouts. Like that's unheard of, you know, but that was my mom. Like she was very like driven and passionate. She, she encouraged me. My dad, he ran his own business and he started that on a whim and they both grew a lot together they built themselves from nothing so they encouraged and empowered me and my sister a lot and i had that entrepreneur spirit from a young age um at, i don't want to blab too much because sometimes i feel like i say this but you're interested so i'm going to just say it because yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, 9 years old i was also very actually well, as soon as I knew that you could make money, I wanted to make it. Um and I also remember my dad would say it's an amazing thing if you can make money, but it's a better thing if you can make money doing what you love. That's when you know you're you made it essentially. Now, granted my dad did work that allowed him to do more of what he loves, so there's a different perspective, but When he told me that, I remember thinking, I'm never going to do anything for work that I do not love to do. And I held true to that my entire life. So when I was 11, 10 or 11, 11, I want to say for my birthday, I asked for a website URL and I got a flip camera. My dad would put videos of me doing interior design things on YouTube. Um, No, they're not there anymore. I don't know what happened to them. If I ever can dig them up, I'll share them with you guys. Um, I was doing interior design videos. I launched design by celeste.com. I just did silly things around the house. I wrote my parents their first business contract with me where I would agree to do a job. And my dad taught me if someone pays you to do something, you better do it all the way through and you'd better do it right. It, and as I grew as a person and, um, I was recognized highly by other people in my life. And I want to say a big thank you. Like I never let that go unnoticed that people saw Something in me. I was never shut down for wanting to be ambitious or wanting to pursue things. I was given the opportunity to go to leadership conferences from a young age. I was given scholarships that was because I was doing social change work and that was encouraged by my mom to volunteer, to give back, to pursue other things. So there were so many great people in my life who encouraged me and inspired me to keep going and never held me down. And I had coaches who were like, We want you in a leadership role. We want you taking this side of the team and like coaches who were hard on me so I could be better. And um, I I just, yeah, I, I feel grateful for that. And I think it was just always in me to pursue that. I mean, I did write. And then I got out of high school, started my business. I wrote my first book at 19 and launched that I was flying an airplane at 14 because my parents knew that I thought, Hey, I kind of want to try that. So for my birthday or Christmas or something, I said, Hey, can I get, can I get a lesson in flying and I that is on YouTube actually. Um <laughs> can I get a lesson in flying? I was never shut down. My parents wanted us to explore everything. The one rule they had you don't start something and not finish it. So if you want to start soccer, you're going to take it all the way through the season. You want to go into volleyball, you got to see it all the way through the season. You're signing up for this art class or you bought this book in whatever, you're reading it. You're you're finishing it. You will not quit. So um I think they really encourage that. And like I said, the dark side of that is, you know, if you want to do well in school, a B wasn't good enough it was, you better get an A. You got to, okay. If you're, if you don't, I I grew up thinking that if I got a C, I needed to literally drop and retake the class. I actually did that in college. I retook a class just because I was, I was like, I have to drop it. I can't get a C. Retook it. I got a B minus, which is ridiculous when you think about it. couple percentages difference, but it made a difference to me because of the mentality that was like harvested in me from a young age. So I would say that's kind of, I don't want to say it. It's born in you, but when you have an amazing support system who sees this drive and desire in you and actually pours water on it, gives you some sunshine, lets you nurture that part of you, it can take you really far. And I'll never, ever take that for granted. I I, I had a dream last night, which is really weird, of all these people my mom was friends with who made such a positive impact in my life. I saw them in an airport probably because I was traveling and I was like what the heck you're all here and like ran over to them gave them all a hug and I was in the shower today I'm like wow oh, I should like message all of them and tell them because it it really is like the people who see your greatness and want to encourage it rather than no you're too young no you're too this no you didn't no, I got supported and the people who did they say I for some reason I couldn't hear them that's
3: love. <laughs> All of that, like, Thank I feel you. like you would just give me all the advice that I need to keep no. in a direction where, like not purposely, but it, that's how it came out. It was just like, yes, keep, you know, pouring water all over our son, let him explore, let him figure out, find out, try all the things. So I love that you shared that. And I love that your parents did that for you. Cause I mean, look at what it has blossomed, you know, and continues to, to blossom. And I also do encourage you, cause you just said, first of all, it came to you in a dream that you did that, you know, mm-hmm. you you gave them big hugs um, and everything. You saw them in the airport. So that is giving you a sign definitely to get that message out there. Say here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I'm glad that yeah. came up because it's like, yeah. one of those where you dream about it, you forget. And then you remember because we're talking about it. So I will do that after this. Yes,
0: yeah, so I'll, I'll, we will send you a reminder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a reminder. Right
0: we'll so make sure you get that done. Now, that's yes. for sure. Yeah. And it makes me think about, and obviously I'm not, you know, academically trained in psychology, but I'm a nerd for it. So it's kind of brings to light that whole, the experiences that you have, the environment that you have when you're younger is really kind of what shapes your outlook most of the time, obviously not all of the time, but it it really does have a huge impact on who you start to become and how you see the world and things like that. So I'm like, the the, the spinning, spinning. <laughs> Yes, yes, absolutely. So I'm curious to know though, with with all of that nurturing, all of that watering, all of that ambition, I, I heard you say that you didn't really tune out the naysayers. Um I'm I'm assuming externally, but what about internally? Did you ever deal with any kind of um you know, self-doubt, any kind of imposter syndrome as you went through that? Maybe not when you're younger, even now, you know, and
1: how did you deal with that? I never had imposter syndrome, which is probably a very bad thing, honestly. <laughs> like, I should have, been, should have been a little more humble. When I was younger, to some degree, I'm like, damn, girl, you, you had no business, but um, I grew from those things. So that's good. But no, I, I remember there'd be people who are like, you're really young to be doing that or, oh, why should I hire you if you're... I'm like, because I'm actually good at this. I'm going to get you the results. I'm going to be the best. You have. like I was very confident in that regard, but I did have doubts. I doubted would will my business ever succeed? Will I ever get out of this job? Will I be able to provide for myself? Am I going to be able to get to a place where I'm well known enough where people actually, I didn't know why I wanted to be well known other than I thought it would let me make a bigger impact. I didn't know it would come through the form of a podcast, you know, which is awesome or speaking or whatever. I always loved speaking, but I didn't see that coming. I just knew I wanted that. And I, I guess the doubt sometimes still comes up. I doubt, am I now going to be able to up level? I will say some of the thoughts that go through my head actually are quite judgmental. Like, oh, you were young and you accomplished all that. Now, what the hell are you doing? Which is ridiculous because if I reflect on the last year or two, I'm like, man, I got through a lot. Holy moly. Are you okay? Like, how did I do that? You know, but those thoughts still come up. I don't have to believe them. I can combat them with proof and evidence that they're wrong, but that they definitely come up. Um, I, I, but I would say the doubt when I first started was, will I get out of this? Will I be able to be successful? Um, will I actually fulfill people's expectations? Sometimes even now I'm like, when I go to social events or um, things like an, uh, uh, what are they called convention centers where you do these things like at the Arnold convention what is it called yeah <laughs> <Convention. laughs> <Convention. laughs> Expos. Yeah. Um, like those things that are those <laughs> things um I sometimes get in my head I'm like oh I just want I hope people when they meet me appreciate meeting me in the way that they expected. I hope I don't let them down. And so sometimes I put that pressure on myself where I'm like, what if I let somebody down? What if I'm not who they thought I was? What if they catch me at a bad time? I never want to be caught at a bad time, but that's silly because there's a lot of um, value and vulnerability and people seeing us even when we are low, but I always want to make sure I strive to show up. For people the way that they not necessarily expect but if I pres, I want to be what I present to myself to be I want that consistent in person and I've never proven not to be to my knowledge someone out there is probably like she this but (laughs) i never proven not to be to my knowledge but it's important to me that I maintain that so yeah there's sometimes I put pressure on myself that's probably not needed and no basis in reality but that's how the mind works sometimes and we have to work to combat those thoughts yeah absolutely
3: well, I, I kind of hear all of the questions that you ask yourself and all the things that go through your head but how do you bring yourself away from that and kind of back to you know reality that you know you're okay <laughs> you know And you're great at what you do and you can move forward and know that no I'm not an imposter I'm I'm me (laughs) yeah yeah like how do you bring yourself back and away from those those questions
1: well I'm a big fan of DBT which is a counseling theory and approach and in DBT there's two things I really appreciate so one of those things is self-validation so this is where you Acknowledge what you're experiencing, you allow or accept what you're experiencing, and then you take the time to understand it. A, A, U. And so I'll validate the emotional experience I'm having. And then I like to recognize where that's actually coming from. What part of me is communicating this? And how, like, what does this part of me need to know or see or experience in order to be put at ease? So validation is huge that breeds more self compassion recognizing that it's okay to feel that so you're angry doesn't mean you have to punch a hole through the wall, right? So I might be upset. It doesn't mean I have to act on it. I might be judgmental. Doesn't mean I have to quit on my dreams or I'm doubtful. It doesn't mean I have to stop. So I, I validate the emotion at least foster that compassion. And then something else i like to do, which is more of a, it's more solutions focused. Um, if you want to say is I just always have a list of things that I can prove to myself that I've done or accomplished or reasons why I don't have evidence for this. So I create evidence. It's also CBT tactic. You find evidence for what is true versus what is not. And then you can support growth from that, or you can support moving through those thoughts. Um, And then I think the last thing you said, how do I know it's me, not an imposter, like this is who I am. I always go back to my core values. Like, okay, it might be experiencing this, but it's not aligned with my values, or it is, and it's okay. There's some resistance here, but I've been through a lot of challenges, a lot of them. People don't know that. People don't think that I've been through a lot, but I have. And I don't like to talk about it all the time because not that people don't want to know, but I think some it feels sometimes like I'm blaming or I'm, I'm, oh, my life was hard. My life was not hard. My life was amazing. It was a blessing as I just shared. I never want to take that away from it, but I went through hard things and I remind myself I've been through that. I can keep going. I deserve to keep going. I'm committed to keep going for myself because even at my darkest times, what got me through it was I remembered the version of me who thought it was worth it to commit to these goals and objectives. So even if this version of me that's down, depressed, in darkness, not feeling it, can still do it for this version of me. And that that helps me to keep going.
0: There's all kind of bars right there. <laughs> First of all, Brandy, I was gonna say, are you nerding out right now? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like restrain myself and hold myself back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: But they were all great, and I just, you know, for me, I love to, like, use this simple word, give yourself grace, and, you know, part of me was feeling that through what you said. Um, and I just want to also um, put it out there once again that we are the real, raw, real, and whatever you feel needs to be shared and said, do it. <laughs> we are here for it. We love to share in your entire journey in whatever way you want to put it out there. So don't feel like you need to hold anything back or think that we wouldn't want to hear about any
1: of it, I love that. Thank you.
0: Yeah. For sure. Um, okay, so let's let's circle back around to to building more than just a body and bodybuilding. Because I feel like we went to the building more than just a body part, is what it sounds like, and I definitely want to go back to that for sure. Um, but enlighten us on your competitive career, because I know you said you started in around 2015 and you blamed everything on bodybuilding, but where did you go from there once you realized you were blaming everything on bodybuilding? Did you continue to compete? Like, what was that history like?
1: Oh, man, I went on a journey. I let everything go that I knew because I like, it's not working. And I still had an all or nothing mentality, so I went to the nothing side of things and (laughs) I wouldn't recommend that, but I did. I went to the, I went like all or nothing and I was like, okay, I'm going to just forget everything I knew and ask who am I now and what do I want my experiences to be with this body, with fitness, with nutrition, what do I actually want? And so that was difficult to find out because I was like, I don't think I want anything. I don't, I'm burnt out. I don't like this. What if I can't achieve my goals? Because my association was I can only achieve these goals doing these things, but that wasn't true. There's many ways to achieve those goals. I just had yet to experience it. So I was really like, I'm not going to ever compete again, but I'm going to, I still loved this lifestyle. So I kept living the lifestyle. I'm still meal prepping, still going to the gym, still enjoying it. And so I realized like, okay, what do I need to take responsibility for? And I really spent about a year and a couple months, maybe a year and a quarter, really focusing on that. Like, what am I taking responsibility for? What do I want my experiences to be? And what do I need to change? What do I need to believe in order to know I can achieve these things and keep going? And it was put on my heart to compete again in 2017, I was like, I wanna show people you can compete and do it with your mental health. Granted, I wasn't even passionate about serving competitors at the time. Like again, there was none of this was, it was just, you look back and it all makes sense, but in the moment it doesn't. So it was just like, okay, I'm gonna do this. Like I'm going to do this and show myself and others, you can do it in a healthy way. And I really overcame a lot of the disordered ways and thinking and eating, Uh, recommitted to a prep in 2017. Had an awesome show. It was so fun. I was all fired up. I was like, okay, I love this. I want to take it. I want to take it all away. And I did my own reverse diet. I told myself, I could do this with a coach, could do this with my coach, but I want to reverse on my own. I need to have the opportunity to come out of a show the way I want to. Now, I don't believe you need to do that, but it was something I did for myself. And then I it only took about 12 weeks. I went back into a prep. I ended up competing five times that year. Just loving it. I did my first national show in 2020, though. I took a year off after that stream of, string of shows in 2018. Came back 2020, got qualified, um, had some of the best shows ever. It was so fun. Um, and then I was like, no, I had no business being on a national stage. But what that show did for me, because it was 2020, so... That was a tough year all around, like prepping and um, prepping through, I mean, only at my house. And then also we had a house fire the week before one of my shows and I had luckily it was my peak week. I luckily had all my food and baggies, grabbed my computer, my heels, my suit and my food got out of my house. And then I was living out of a hotel for the next like months, like probably two months, but I went straight from there to Vegas looked at JM, the photographer, and I was like, I only have this. This is all I grabbed from my house. I got here after a house fire and I'm glad to be here. So I don't care what happened. And um, after that show, I went on and just kept enjoying it, did the national show. And what that national show did was it changed how I saw myself as a competitor. I had no business being there. Sure. But what it did for me was it it shifted me into the version of myself that performed and showed up as a national level competitor. So there's people who will tell you, don't step on stage. You're not ready for a national stage. They might be right, but sometimes doing it reveals to you that you have it in you. It revealed to me, I have it in me. So then I took more time off and came back and had a interesting season, but a great learning opportunity, this one. And I just really fell in love with it and, Like I said, in 2018, when I returned, that's also when I started the podcast and that's that podcast, like changed my entire trajectory of my life.
2: Wow.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm over here like, first of all, I think I would have shut down a little bit after a house fire period. I don't think I would have known how to pull myself together and just keep moving forward as well as you you did <laughs> that was my first thought <laughs> you know I'm like, you went and did the show and everything <laughs> like, smooth it, it seemed like I don't want to say smooth because I'm sure things were going on but it just seemed like such a smooth transition in the way you kept yourself together
1: well thank so. you
3: Uh, I'm stuck
0: on that part. (laughs) I feel like Brandi, you had something coming right there. I did. um, Because I can can sort of relate, because I've been through two apartment fires at this point in my life, and how does that happen, right? But, yeah, the first one was with, like, way back in, like, 2010 or 2011 or something like that. Different apartment, different building. Um, Same scenario, though. Bottom floor apartment, other apartment part of the building caught on fire, so... Wow. Everything by virtue of them trying to put the fire out. Um, but what I find interesting for you, Celeste, is that when you had time to grab things, you grabbed your heels <laughs> and your suit and your food and like talk about values, right?
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you all would have done the same thing. I know that. <laughs> I worked too damn hard to leave it all behind. <laughs>
0: That is so funny because I was like I lost my blue suit, the very first suit that I got from Sean because of the second fire and it was still in the house and I mean in the apartment and we couldn't go back in. they had boarded it up like two days after and so we never really even got a chance to go grab anything until a month or two later and by then everything was destroyed by just water damage and mold, but I think I would have. I definitely think I would have definitely grabbed my my suit and my vision boards for sure, because those were the things I was the most butthurt of losing was my suit and my vision boards. So <laughs> just thinking about the values, I think that was that's pretty freaking awesome. So, wow. So are you actively working on competing now or are you still kind of figuring it out?
1: Yeah, so I'm in my improvement season. I'm now... Well, beyond post-show, I'm hoping to start prep in September. So that'll have given me a full 365 days to have put on some more muscle and hopefully make the changes that are necessary. I still practice my posing all the time. I still pack my macros, train according to the plan, work with a coach. Um, So yeah, and I will say, I'm going to rewind a second. In 2020, um, everything, after that USA shows and taking a year off, I lost my mom in February of 2021, and I questioned the meaning of everything. What does bodybuilding mean if you don't have your mom? You know, what's the point of anything? Yolanda, I'm sure this might um, strike a chord with you. But yeah, I'm ready to walk away. <laughs> I know, I I'm know. <laughs> so okay. I was like, none of nothing means anything. And that has evolved a lot where now I realize nothing means everything's anything. So everything means everything, right? Like it all means something. And I really thought life had no purpose. And um because it was such a tragic loss and traumatic and unexpected. And I was working really hard to be better and build. It was only two months after my show, after 2020 USA's, that was in December. And a couple weeks after that, actually the week after the show, I got COVID and then I was stuck for like I was out for literally 14 days exactly. And then after that, um, and I didn't get to have holidays with my family. Um, but I had been on the phone with my mom planning a trip for Easter. That never happened. Instead, I was flying back to have Easter without her and, um, you know, bury her and plan the death things. And so when you're going through something like that, it doesn't matter. You just kind of think nothing matters. But that's what I said earlier when the dark, darkest time, I remembered the version of me that thought it was worthwhile anyway. I was like, there was a part of me that still thought it was, this was an important and valuable journey to take myself through. So even though I don't have my mom, things were habitual already. It was a habit for me to work. It was a habit for me to show up at the gym, a habit for me to meal prep. I kept going because it was just who I was, but it was hard. And that changed me as a competitor. I was so strict on my reverse i was killing it um my body responded very differently in a way you would think that i wasn't strict you would think that i would just let everything go i didn't it was really a response to the trauma and then um that next season was really like this last season i had was really important to me because i wanted to i wanted to show up for myself as a reminder of everything that i had been through um and i did and so you can look back sometimes on your journey and think I didn't bring as good of what I thought I could, or I should have done better in this way, but I was reminded of the resilience and strength I had at that time. And so now heading into a new improvement season, a new, se- like the competitor version of Celeste continuously evolves because of those experiences. And my last prep brought difficult to get difficulties too. I mean, I was in a seven-year relationship that ended and, um, I, I had to face a lot of difficult things because of that. And I had moved in February 2021 when my mom died. I moved a few months later for my internship. So I'm living in a new state by myself, starting a a new job, getting paid nothing while trying to run my business, paying out of pocket for my master's program. I mean, I was going through it while prepping. And I mean, it's the list goes on, but I think this version of me, this 2023 knowing I'm going to compete in 2024, she sees how resilient she is. And no matter what the outcome is, I get so much from this sport. I get so much from this daily commitment to myself because of what it's given my life in times where I didn't know that there was much left for life to give me. i already see who's coming.
3: <laughs> oh, I, didn't I didn't see that coming. I already see who's coming. <laughs> i'm excited to, i'm excited to see it all unfold um this part of your your journey after all of that um experience prior thank you.
0: Yeah. and i think um i may butcher this but now i'm curious now that you've given us a history i may butcher this so i apologize but i'm gonna ask you something you ask every single person you talk to oh. <laughs> What is was it the last thing or the first thing before your heel hits the stage that you think about or do? And do you feel like having gone through all of this transition, do you feel like that'll be different when you step on stage in
1: 2024? Um, it's funny I ask that question to everyone, and yet I don't have a ritual. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really just like, what do y'all do? Because I don't do, I don't know what I do. Um but no, I would say it was interesting. 2022, I was standing backstage at um, the show right before I went to North Americans. It was a muscle contest show. And it was Sin City, actually. And I remember I started crying, welling up with tears because it hit me. Everything at once hit me. Like I, my whole life changed that week. Everything changed other than what had already changed. But everything changed more. And I remember standing there and I was like, looking at this girl next to me, she's like, how are you feeling? And we've been friends on Instagram. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And it just, I cried. And I i mean, I was trying not to cry and I'm going to go it, but don't ask me that. Um, but I think I always just really reflect on my journey. I'm like, dang, I did it. So I don't know that that'll ever change. Um, I just always hope for the best. And I, just trying to stay present in the moment but um I don't watch the girl in front of me that's for sure I did that one show and then I went on stage and I'm like why am I doing her routine oh my gosh what? so now <laughs> now I just like look over here I'm like don't
0: look at anyone <laughs> wow that's funny I have not uh, that. <laughs> wow that's amazing I'm
3: okay. thinking about the tears I'm like we gotta change that <laughs>
1: That's about makeup. We got to keep yeah. going back on that stage. <laughs>
3: exactly. Yeah. So if you don't know, that was kind of what happened to me at my um, show, of Battle of Texas. Um, I actually made it on the stage without crying. But once I got off from the first time making it back on the stage, I was in pure tears. Everything rushed in, everything that I was feeling that I didn't know that I was feeling. So I totally can relate completely to that But. Like Brandy said, you got to get back up on it. <laughs> so, well, actually, <laughs> yeah, so, you nope, know, we're not going to cry. We're going to remember everything.
0: <laughs> Don't look at the person in front of us.
3: Stay <laughs> focus.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, we typically ask um, what do you feel your realest, rawest moment has been in your competitive journey? But I'm wondering if you've already shared that with us.
1: Yeah, I would say it was the loss of my mom and the finding meaning where I didn't think there was any, literally the world turned gray. I didn't see color. I swear I couldn't remember for months, like what color things were, everything was gray. And then the color started to come back. And I, I owe that to, I think my education helped me through a lot of it for sure, but I owe it a lot to just keeping going. So, yeah, I would say that's probably the realest and rawest moment.
2: Interesting. Okay.
1: Y'all have anything?
2: Yeah, Steph can ask the, the other one.
0: <laughs> Steph,
3: I haven't heard what? your
0: voice this whole podcast. <laughs> you, you have heard heard it it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have more, but if we're going to go to that question, I have a, a couple more before we go to that. If y'all don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. So um, I kind of want to circle to how you work with competitors, right? And in the whole building more than just a body. And I know we touched on the, the red flags. Yes. And I'm curious to know, what do you think are the real raw issues or maybe misconceptions that some of the competitors that you work with Um, deal with as they are going through their competitive journey and in what ways do you help them work through that?
1: Hmm. I think some of the misconceptions are that you can't compete and maintain a healthy relationship with food or your body and the way that you view your life and that's completely false Unfortunately, it's perpetuated a lot in the mental health space because a lot of mental health providers don't understand competitors or competitive athletes. So um, I want to really encourage if you're listening and you think that way, just know there is a way through it. You don't have to go to extremes or all or nothings to resolve your mental health struggles. You can do both at the same time. Um, Another thing that's not often addressed is with when you commit to bodybuilding, what you're doing is you're committing to meet criteria set by judges sitting in front of you at every show and you're working on that 365 every year for years. So what does that do? It's going to change how you perceive your body. There's no getting around that. There's no getting around it. I could give you all the tools. I could say, okay, every time you body check, make sure that you start interrupting that pattern, cover the mirror, wear an undershirt, condition yourself differently. We can, but these are protective factors. These are barriers that I'm supporting competitors and the clients I work with. So they can still pursue the sport without it causing damage or um, it maybe causing more harm than good. So a lot of what I do is not so much um, healing. I mean, it is healing, but it's preventative. It's like, how do we get ahead of this? How do we make this experience more fulfilling, more empowering? How do we transform the way that you view you have to be in this sport and should be in the sport to what you actually can be for yourself to really have the success you desire long term? Um, So there's this notion that you got to eat like Miss Bikini Olympia and, and act like this and dress like that and post like this. But I really help people to see that that's not how it has to be. And I think the key to longevity in this sport is aligning with your values and also finding what works best for you, the path of least resistance, but also with some challenge along the way. So we keep growing and evolving in it. Um, another misconception is that you're the only one struggling with your relationship with food. You're the only one who's thinking about, I'm at a party. Why am I thinking about how much carbs, fats, and proteins? Why am I thinking about how many cookies I should have? Or I can't have this, right? You're not alone in that. This is very normal. Um, unfortunately I could tell you many things that other people would refer to as horror stories. To me, they're everyday stories I hear from competitors. Um, I would say, I've had people, I'll take it, I'll take, I'll share two. I've had two people tell me that they spray bleach or pour bleach on their trash can after throwing cookies away because they can't control themselves and they hope not to eat it. I've had something as small, I'm putting air quotes in case you're just listening to this, but um I've had people as small say as small as like, oh, I just I always eat an extra, I lift the peanut butter spoon and I want to stop doing it. So I've seen everything between those extremes and more, and none of it's abnormal. It's okay to experience those things. Um, it's not okay to stay in those struggles and just say, I'm going to do another prep and that'll get me under control. That is the last, uh, that could go on, but that's the last misconception I'll share. Is that a prep? Or a new diet or a new training program is going to fix or resolve what is happening well beyond surface level. The reason it's called build more than just a body is because I'm not saying to stop building your body, just saying, let's build up a little bit more along the way. Let's prioritize some of these other things that matter. So um, even though we might believe you can't do both or you shouldn't, or you got to be laser focused in order to be successful. Otherwise you're not a real competitor. You're not a champion. No, that's a champion who's probably gonna burn out, not get where they wanna go, not have the success. They might have success, but it won't be as fulfilling. So then is it really success? Maybe, it just depends on how you wanna look at it in many years from now. So my goal with Build More Than Just a Body is to help competitors have the most fulfilling and empowering preps, improvement seasons, or lifestyle phases that they can possibly have so they can be in this and do this for as long as they want to and desire to coming out of every season with a healthy mind, going into seasons with a healthy mind and feeling empowered in that journey. Now, even through the struggle, they have the tools, the resources and the knowledge to combat it. And they're equipped with the preventative things that we've done in such a way where there are new associations between their body and food that actually protect them against things that used to mentally ail them.
0: That's amazing work. <laughs> Thank
2: you. <laughs> tell you, that amazing work. I have to say about the clinicians part. I've actually had to speak to two of my clinicians because I usually get a checkup every once in a while, just a yearly. And one I had to tell because they're like, you know, you're approaching like the underweight stage. I'm like, I'm not underweight. I'm in prep and I'm a bodybuilder. And this is what happens when I'm in prep. And the other one is like, you know, you've been getting a lot of weight lately. Is everything okay? Again, I'm a bodybuilder and I'm in my improvement season, and this is what happens. There's nothing wrong with me.
1: That's exactly. A- you have, to, this is the other thing too. The, the reason why I think I've been very successful in this work is I speak the same language as a competitor, as an athlete. You don't have to explain yourself to me. So like when you go to a doctor, you got to explain it. Like, What's a prep. I don't understand yep. you bodybuild. So you flat, you're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm in a bikini. It's different. It's division. You're explaining it. They're like, okay, well, I don't get it either way. Your chart says this. And you're like, okay, but like, I'm not struggling through this. I recognize that I'm way too lean for normal life right now. I also recognize that I'm eating in a caloric surplus and I'm sometimes force feeding and you may not approve of that, but it's a short period of time for long-term gain. So you have to explain to people what all this is. Like I've heard people who go to uh, therapists, counselors, mental health uh, professionals they'll say oh yeah I'm in prep I mean well what's that I'm counting my mac well what's macros I'm like skip all that that's so- taking so much time at least I'll speak your language and we can you know grow that's something right, right. I'm, yeah. yes exactly can relate it's so funny that
3: you said that because even in my transition of trying to find all new doctors and everything I'm like I just want people that know exactly what I'm talking about I'm like going to people and saying, "Do you have a recommendation for a doctor <laughs> you know that, you know, knows about bodybuilders because I don't want to go through that process of educating them exactly because I'm still learning and I don't want to like give them misinformation. So I'm like I need someone that understands what I'm going through so that, you know, we could kind of keep learning together versus me sitting there trying to explain and I'm like, "Dang, but I'm not sure if I'm saying the right thing, you know, or explaining exactly what it is that I need." So I'm just exactly. like, yeah, that that's a very important thing. And I wish more people were educated in that way so that oh, they know wow. what they're doing. Yeah.
0: Especially, you would think that in the medical field that they would have a little bit more knowledge on, I mean, even just nutrition. And most doctors don't, right? They have maybe a course on nutrition, maybe. And I have a similar experience from the other girls too. Like, Endometri- My mom had endometriosis. She had a hysterectomy, all the things. My sister has PCOS. I was experiencing kind of some of both, or at least I thought. And by the time I could get into a doctor to go see, I was like either in peak week or the week before peak week. And she, I told her why I was there and her immediate response was, you're way too small to have PCOS. Like PCOS is for people who are overweight. And I'm like... <laughs> of course i'm small like i'm in a now deficit, like, you know and it's just like we're not even we're not we're not gonna check you for that we'd have to put you under a knife like you're you're lean you look like you take care of yourself blah 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 and i was like you know what okay i'm not even gonna fight you on this because you clearly are not here for me and that's my one. concern <laughs> you know like you're judging me based on the weigh-in that i had and the the vitals that you got and that's that's really not fair so i yeah do you talk to your clients at all about how to talk to their doctors if stuff like that
1: happens i do give them encouragement in that regard like okay it's hard to sometimes vouch for yourself uh, as is. And if boundary setting's a problem or communication's a problem, we work on skills of like that to support them in being able to communicate the way that they want to. Um, I, I do think that competitors have this great opportunity to be the educators. And because of how much this sport has grown, there is more emerging research now on our population, which is great. Um, you won't go into many libraries and find much on bodybuilders, but it's great that now there's more coming out. And I think competitors, you know, you need your men, or you need your health in check anyway. So you need to make sure your physical health is good and your mental health is good. You may not find the perfect doctor or provider, but you still deserve to get the treatment and and vouch for yourself and Um, it may not be the easiest thing. Yeah, it's different, but everybody's going to have these experiences regardless of if you're a bodybuilder or you're um, like you experienced Brandy, like there's unique things that we go through. So knowing that it's okay, I wouldn't give up on the medical field. Um, Even when I had applied for my master's program, I wrote in it that I want to bridge the gap between mental health providers and competitors. And so I made it my goal during my program. I was going to talk to, I was going to include it in every discussion. I was going to bring it up on every cohort call, every residency was going to be brought up. And I left that program and people told me they felt more educated on bodybuilders because of it. So as a competitor in your field or in the doctor's office or with your friends, you have an opportunity to educate. So um, I would say use that as an opportunity to to shift the perspective a little bit. That's good advice. I'm yeah. to work on that.
3: <laughs> hey, it's frustrating, though. I know that. I'm saying I don't want to. I just want to make sure I don't, you know, say anything wrong. <laughs> make it clear. <laughs> Give me some help. <laughs> but absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> within right. the doctors, within the home, every everywhere, you know, we do have that opportunity, and definitely want to make sure that. We use it to educate everybody in general, but that's a cool platform that you you just mentioned. Also, you know, having that um, education there for them to be able to level up. I say, I like to use my yeah. own words. <laughs> I love that.
0: And there's so much more work to be done in this, because like you said, you know, there is more and more emerging evidence um, or, you know, research rather on the bodybuilding population, maybe not just in the medical field, but even just in the sports science field, because most of the things that they research are mostly on untrained individuals or overweight individuals or things of that nature. So I know earlier in our discussion, you were mentioning, you know, sometimes you do a question like, where do I go from here and blah, 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 like, I think there's a, a long way you can go from where you are in terms of just being one of the frontiers of bridging that gap in the medical field, in the mental health field, and things of that nature, because you are so embedded in the lifestyle, in the knowledge, and things of that nature. So I can't wait for that to happen. I'm you, like, I know her. I talked to her. She was like, no, my- <laughs> oh, my You
1: guys are awesome.
0: Thank you. You're awesome. You are. Um, but yeah. appreciate that that was really good advice all right it's all you stuff go for it girl
2: okay so what's daryla's rawest advice that you would give or that have to give to our listeners
1: for life or for competing for
2: anything that you want to give
1: hmm oh snap I always feel like these uh, pieces of advice are gonna be like permanently in an archive, like it's like a re- <laughs> permanent record for me, where someone's gonna be like, "That was her best advice." Internet, best advice advice at <laughs> this
2: time, great advice already. This time, this <laughs> time.
1: Steph's like, let me clarify for our <laughs> listeners <laughs> currently. Uh, um okay so you know i guess i would say my best advice is be willing for things to change like know that they probably will like be open to change because you're always evolving your body is always evolving the demands of your life are always evolving And if you maintain expectations on yourself that really only fit a past version of you or a version of you that's not existed and it's creating an unrealistic expectation that forces you into things of constant shame, doubt, judgment, guilt then it's probably not the best expectation. So being open to change or being open to new approaches, I would say is probably some of my best advice I'd give right now, because everything's always evolving. So know that it's okay to make changes. And my dad always said, be ready to pivot. And I would say that applies here. Always be ready to pivot. It's uh, pretty much an inevitability of life. You're going to be thrown a lot of Uh, surprises. It's not predictable. And if you're so determined to only do something in one particular way, you probably will be stuck spinning your wheels. But an open mind allows you to see many pathways and opportunities. That's good.
3: (laughs) Awesome. Because that's literally what I've been going through. Uh, I noticed that I don't like change. (laughs) And I'm like, I need to be able to make adjustments or pivot as you should say. So that was great advice, girl. <laughs>
1: oh good. Well then fine. See yes <laughs> my permanent record.
3: <laughs> Love it. Um so Brandy, I I don't know if you're about to nerd out again. <laughs> Yeah, I was just saying, find you go. <laughs> All right, so I mean, you asked about the realest rawest moment, so I was like, oh, why not have some fun? You know, since she just came back from a trip and she met her booze family, and if you guys could rock with me and come up with questions on a fly for for her trip, maybe that'd be something fun. Maybe five questions. So I was thinking maybe something like, um, who has the larger family, you or him? Hmm. He does. He has a larger family. Um, who made you laugh the hardest this weekend from his family?
1: He did. Um, we were jumping on the trampoline. I, I almost said someone else, but then at the very last day, right before we went to the airport, we were jumping on the trampoline, and I swear I could not stop laughing. My, I think I'll have abs in my check-in on Tuesday. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was laughing my ass off, so Sean did. Okay,
3: Who made your mind like run the most and made you think?
1: Mm. His mom, actually. She shared a lot with me that got me thinking about different things of his life, my life, her life. So I enjoyed a lot of our shared conversations. And I would say his brother too, because his brother like served us this amazing chef he's a chef and he created a chef experience for us and what I loved is he broke down every course of the meal and I was like I want to bring this to one of my retreats because I already do a food um satiation through the senses workshop but I think having an actual chef there creating an experience for people breaking it down will give others a different perspective of food so that experience and him doing that really I think got my mind kind of in that uh how do I apply this to business of course <laughs> You just shut me down. I'm like, food. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
2: Yeah.
3: A moment. (laughs) I'm like, what happened there? Satiation. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that. And it's cool that you could kind of intertwine that eventually, hopefully, um, putting it out into the universe. (laughs) Um,
2: Anybody got one? (laughs) I'm just rolling. (laughs) Uh, What is it like dating while on prep?
1: you know in my last relationship i was on prep and and dating him and that uh relationship i was in he was very supportive he only knew me as a competitor anyways and only knew me for that lifestyle but i would say the hardest thing about that in my last experience was um <clears throat> I am because it was like I was up at 3 a.m. doing hours of cardio and then I was going to uh, do my business work podcasting and then it was straight to internship and then it was like, hey, now he's home from work and um, I'm exhausted and he's exhausted or he's wanting to do his own thing. And and the relationship was going a different way anyway. So that's really probably more of what was happening, too. But I would say. That's the hardest. Now with this improvement season, it's very easy. It's just like life, you know, so it's fine. I haven't experienced anything now. My boyfriend is a competitor. And so I'm, my ex was not, this one is, and I said, I would never date a competitor, but never say never, never <laughs> say never, because yeah, I am. <laughs> <Yeah. that's good. laughs> that was a good pivot um but yeah I think that'll be interesting if we prep together and um seeing his perspective on things so I'm I'm prepared for that experience but it's nice because we both are you know in a purpose season enjoying and supporting each other
2: have you guys ever worked out together
1: yes but I'm I don't like working out with people and he thinks it's hilarious because I called him one time. I'm like, Hey, I'm about to walk in the gym. I'm just waiting for Liz. And he's like, okay. Like, um, is she there? Yeah. I said, no, she's going to be here later. She just told me she's running late. He's like, so you're not going to work out with her. I'm like, no, we just are going to go like, we're just going to be at the gym at the same time. He's like, you're telling me. You made plans with your friend to go to the gym at the same time, as you, but you're not going to work out together. I'm like, yes, I have a program to follow. That's how it, he works out with his friends. He likes to work out alone, but and when I worked out with him, it was really nice. Like the first time we met. In person, anyways, was uh, in Tampa and we went to the gym together and we had a great workout. And he was spotting me and pushing me and vice versa. And it was really fun. So, yeah, I like working out with him when we do. He's way more go with the flow. So, he'll like, I'm like, I got to do my program and he'll just do things with me. And uh, yeah, so when we have worked out together, it's been really fun.
3: He'll mm-hmm. set all your weights for you, move them
1: for you. That right? <laughs> That's a <all> win. <it> <laughs> And I get to see him get pumped. I'm like, oh, shoot, I gotta oh, I love oh, it. <laughs> finish my set. Yeah. <laughs> Back
2: to your what was your favorite,
0: yeah. What was your favorite um, activity or part of Oklahoma?
1: Oh, I had that one. Oh, well- <laughs> what was
0: favorite activity or favorite thing
3: that you did?
1: <laughs> nice oh, man. Um, we went to this place called The Gathering Place, which was really awesome. It was a nice, little we walked around it was really beautiful Um, I would say that was really cool and we got coffee on our way and the coffee was really bomb so I'd say that was probably one of the more fun and going on a walk with his mom one morning was so windy I felt like it was like a work we were both like it was like the crusty crab pizza I hope you guys know what I'm referring to
0: I sing that all the time oh my god yes (laughs) that's what it was (laughs) Yeah. That is so awesome! Yeah, welcome to the Midwest, or welcome back. Um, <laughs> it's like crazy up and down weather this whole week. So yeah, what else you got? You
3: all right? Um, I had one, and then it, it, I forgot because <laughs> we got into the relationship <laughs> talk and working out at the gym. <laughs> I was like, oh. Um.
1: Hmm. Anything else you want to share about your trip? though so. I mean, it was really awesome. And I'm grateful he felt um, he could bring me there and share me with his family and they accepted me so much. And let's hope we don't break up because that would be really awkward with this, you know, podcast and everything. No, I'm just totally kidding with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just, we we are not putting
3: that out into the
1: universe. <laughs> Dial <laughs> tag, rewind. You <laughs> should all <that> look at <laughs> <like, laughs> no. so, me like, no. Can you edit that part out by June? <laughs> He will think that's funny, but no, um, yeah, I, it was awesome. And I, I'm really grateful for that. And he's a total sweetheart and I'm, I'm very happy to be in that relationship and to have gone and had that. It, it's nice when you're long distance to have time together, but when you have time together with family as well, and you feel the support and love from everybody. It, I think it just deepens the relationship. That's
3: awesome. I love we that. Love to hear it. <laughs> and we are so excited that you're back and you're getting a chance to reset. God, I know I'm sure you work hard. So that was a good away time for you, even though you was working, talking about, oh, this, <laughs> this meal, we need to figure out how to get this. <laughs> but overall, you know, happy that you got a chance to reset and, you know, start a fresh Again with you know heading into still improving your improvement season. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. But final question? Are we
0: on the final question?
3: No, we did the final questions, unless you have one. <laughs> That's yeah. why I did that little round. <laughs>
1: oh, I have she did a whole. One. She did like a whole connect the first part of the conversation <laughs> to the last, and it was a good little wrap-up moment.
0: One <laughs> <laughs> final question, though, especially with you being in improvement season now. Mm-hmm. You heard me ask this question at CCTS. So, um, when you hear the question, do you want to compete or do you want to be competitive? What does that mean to you? And where do you stand on that?
1: Oh, when you asked, I was like, this is so good. Your whole presentation was amazing. Um, So I would say when I think, do you want to compete? I think, do you want to step on stage and wear the suit, the heels have the experience and live the lifestyle. When I hear, do you want to be competitive? I hear, are you willing to do what it takes to build your body in such a way that it meets the criteria, even if it means sacrificing some of the things you enjoy, it means showing up every single day, pushing your own limits, being competitive requires um, a different, I think, level of commitment. And for me, like to be competitive, I had to, I have to build my upper body. I'm not training legs hardly at all. Like I have to make my glutes pop more, but also like I've, I'm like, I can't build my legs. And so everything has to match. So I'm being competitive by sacrificing some things or trying new things. And um, that's how I I kind of view the question and being willing to even level up in posing, like working with someone who's more like a drill sergeant with posing and and elevating that knowing, Hey, I may not like this or feel as comfortable with this. It's going to push me on my zone, but like I'm going to look back on this and remember this is what contributed to it. And um, yeah, I would say that's the difference for me Nice.
0: Excellent. I love that,
1: okay. So
0: we do appreciate you coming on and you know sharing all of the things and letting us get to know the hosts behind the podcast and just who Celeste is in general, not just a competitor, um not just a podcast host, but who is Celeste and what is her story. So we really, really appreciate that and we talked a lot about you know what you do with competitors your work that you do building more than just the body, so on and so forth so um share with the listeners who might have their interest peaked at this point how they can find you how they can work with you um, what they can do you know with you and things of that nature
1: well this was awesome i do feel like i got to just chat with friends and share things about my life that maybe I don't share much or haven't gotten to. And it just flowed. It was really fun for me. So thank you guys for that. And if you're listening and excited to learn more or engage with me in any way, you can go to celestial.fit or you can go to celestial underscore on Insta celestial underscore fit on Instagram. And I also have a bunch of free resources on my website. So when you go to celestial.fit, you can go to the link section and find that, or the freebie section and find that. Um, there's tons of different stuff a free food relationship coaching series, free post show series. So if you're post show and you're like, I gotta get my life together, there you go. Um, if you want a competitor card deck, I created one with I am statements with um, actionable items you can take, as well as journal prompts. I mean, tons of stuff and then, um, have an on-demand mindset coaching platform. That's like the Netflix for competitors. And then I have, uh, my food relationship program, which is my most popular program. So that's all on the website there, but yeah. And then listen to the podcast, Confessions of Bikini Pro, everywhere you can find it. Um, you get to realize and listen to the fact that everyone gets places in a different way. And there's so much more beyond the surface to, to what we see on Instagram or, or maybe I've heard from others.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We really appreciate you. It was so much fun. And with that, um, if you enjoyed this podcast, definitely give us a follow like Celeste, we can be found on all of the platforms, including YouTube, if you like watching instead of listening. So go ahead and subscribe to that as well. Share with a friend, family member, or a competitor who might be interested as well. And with that, we are going to sign off and chat a little bit with Celeste offline and hope you guys enjoyed the show and come back for the next one. See you guys. <laughs>